This program is inspired by true events, but at its core, it's a work of fiction. Album art by Anurag Bandopadhyay. Before you begin, don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. Typically the countryside welcomes you lightheartedly. It greets you with its open sprawls of green, oftentimes towering above yourself. It welcomes you through the eyes of the locals that notice that you're foreign but carry a reluctant yet comforting glint in them that makes you feel at home. It eases you into itself with the aroma of fresh unadulterated food. It lets you breathe it in, even as it takes your breath away. But Manikampati was different. The air was somber and heavy. The locals looked at you as if they'd seen a ghost and steered clear of making any sort of eye contact. There were no restaurants. No hotels, just one tea stall that I presumed was frequented only by the locals. No tourist had visited in years. I too had to make do by living in the next town. In the course of recording this documentary, I came to understand that even the relatives of the natives never visited the village. And all this goes back to a freak incident that occurred back in 1939. You're listening to season one of Undocumented with Red. And this is the story that literally ripped a village apart. The villages of India are replete with stories of bizarre crimes and massacres that are rooted in religion. More often than not, attempts are made to make these stories fade away. But there's always a beacon of hope, a person or group of people who strive to bring the criminals to justice. Even during the British Raj, almost a hundred years ago, the most conservative of Indians have been known to realize the brutal truth about archaic customs and institutions and rebel against acts that are nothing short of gruesome and murderous crimes. A case in point is the story of Savitri's revenge that shook the world of Nambudri men in Kerala and ended the concept of antarjanam forever. What is it then that stopped the villagers of Manikampatti from reporting the crime? 
What is it that forced more than 80% of the residents to flee and the rest to stay back? To investigate this, let's go back to the 2nd of May 1939. I am sitting with Mr. Sundaresan, an octogenarian who witnessed this incident firsthand. He was a young boy then, whose family moved out to Chennai soon after the incident. Today, even after so many years, he hasn't been able to forget the incident and dreads going back to the village. Sir, thank you so much for joining us. Could you tell us what happened? So, every year on the occasion of Narasimha Jayanti, the village temple used to have a festival. Just like any other festival, it involved a puja, paying obeisance to the god followed by performances by the village folk. And one of the mainstays of those performances used to be a drama about the story of Lord Narsimha and Hiranyakashipu. Every year, the actors would be picked at random by the village priest. The idea was to give every villager a chance to participate in this holy ritual of enacting the story of the gods. Can you tell us what this story is all about? So, uh, as the legend goes, there was an Asura king or demon king known as Hiranyakashipu who had a son named Prahalad. The Asuras were sworn enemies of the Devas, that is, um, the gods, and Hiranyakashipu especially had sworn revenge against them as Lord Vishnu had killed his elder brother. So, in order to take revenge, he performed a penance that pleased Lord Brahma, the creator, and he asked for a boon. My Lord, O oh best of the givers of the booms, grant me that I not die within any residence or outside any residence, during the daytime or at night, nor on the ground or in the sky, nor by any weapon, nor by any human being or animal. Give me sole lordship over all the living entities and presiding deities, and give me all the glories obtained by that position. Turns out that his son, Prahlad, that is, um, became a worshipper of Lord Vishnu and refused to accept his father as the Supreme Lord. He said that Lord Vishnu is omnipresent and omnipotent. Naturally, Hiranyakashipu gets angry and he points to a pillar and asks if Lord Vishnu is in there. When Prahlad nods, Hiranyakashipu breaks the pillar and from there emerges Narasimha, an avatar of Lord Vishnu that's half lion and half man. Narasimha rips open Hiranyakashipu's stomach, bringing his life to an end. And this is the story that would be dramatized every year? Yes. So what exactly happened that night? The drama was going on as always. The actor playing Narasimha was wearing the Narasimha mask. Oh well, uh, the villagers used to tie the actor's hands, the actor who played Narasimha, to keep his hands under control. And why would they do that? They would do it because they believed that wearing the mask possessed the actor with the god. And if they did not control his hands, the actor would end up killing the person who played Hiranyakashipu. They actually believed that the actor would kill the other guy? Yes, and that's what happened that night. The actor got aggressive, nobody could control him. He actually broke the ropes and ended up ripping the other actor's stomach apart. What happened then? People panicked. There was a stampede. I was a kid back then. We were all running. We didn't know what to do. And then we heard a roar. 
Like a lion's roar. Yes. We heard a roar and then we heard his voice. He said you're next. Was the actor really possessed or was there a personal motive of revenge disguised as a holy act of God? Find out in the next episode on Undocumented with Red.